Welcome, fam. This is Courtney Russell Jr., and I'm here with my co-host, Emily Brocker. Welcome to Humanize. We are two Americans with totally different backgrounds and life experiences. We're coming together on this podcast to dive right at the heart of the three things that shut down tough conversations about race, culture, power, and ego. The stories you are about to hear are meant to humanize those deeply involved in social justice. Welcome to the work, y'all. Let's get it. All right, Courtney and I are here. It is November 5th, 2020. We are right in the middle of this thing, right in the middle of the election, and we can't help but talking about that today. So we're going to explore, really, what has the 2020 election exposed? What does it expose about the U.S.? What does it expose about each of us? Um, And before we get into that, I just want to offer a bit of a disclaimer on this episode and really all of our episodes, which is that because of the relationship Courtney and I have developed, we have a really honest dialogue and ask each other, we have given each other permission and the invitation to ask pretty personal, rather intense questions as it relates to our lives. We're committed to be totally honest and vulnerable. And um, we just wanted to acknowledge that that relationship is there and the invitation is there. And we don't want in any way to suggest that any white person can go up to a person of color and just start asking about their lived experiences of racism. That is not an an open invitation. Um, So we don't want to set that tone, but we do want to bring you all into the relationship that we have. And we also want to note that our opinions and our views do not represent all white people or all black people. We are just two people with, you know, individual life experiences. Um, And so, yeah, we in no way want to suggest that we are representative of all people. So that's our disclaimer for today. We want to be clear about our position in this work. Um, So, man, this election, I just had to have Courtney turn off the TV behind him because the election was showing with, you know, 60,000 ballots yet to be cast or whatever counted. Um, I just want to check in with you, Courtney. What is it? What has it been like to you for you to like watch how this has unfolded in the last couple of days? I mean, I haven't been surprised at all. I mean, the election is bringing up the same thing that the coronavirus did. disparities, um, disparity of thought, um, showing how divided the country is and illuminating the fact that we are not as far as we think we are when it comes to social justice and um, things of that nature. So I'm not surprised at all. And no matter which way the election sways, we still have an enormous hill to climb. We still have a lot of work to do. And, and, I invite and implore anyone that is um, thinking that things will change based on no matter who you vote for, I would really hope that you can know that we still have a lot of work to do. Um, When we're talking about power, equity, justice, um, money, um, distribution of wealth, education, healthcare, all of these issues are issues that are represented by what's going on in the country right now. And so I would just have you think that please don't get lulled to complacency no matter who wins or no matter how next couple of days. That's what's coming up for me. Well, tell, 
Tell me more about your experience, like watching this, like as you're sitting there, you're saying you're not surprised. Like, are you like, bring me into your world? Like what is, what's happening in your soul? <laughs> education. going to write there. Yeah. Education is happening in my soul. I feel like I like to teach from a place, um, educate from a place of, of wanting to have had what I am for individuals that I, that I touch these days. Meaning that if I was a 17 year old kid, Growing up how we grew up, growing up where we grew up, not really focusing on an election, not caring if it is or is not for us. I would have wanted someone to be dispassionate about that and disseminate information for me, be a sounding board for me, open up dialogues for me to ask questions so that can pique my interest to become more politically active and, and showing that politics and power are synonymous. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's more important than money. Whoever has the, the, the sway on power and policy dictates how we live our lives, you know? And so just what's coming up in my soul is motivation, motivation to really step forward. And, and if I say I fight for social justice, this is, this is, it, it doesn't get more um, warlike right now. You know, so I'm just mm -hmm. in my war room, just in my, my, my bunker right now. I'm game planning and thinking how we're going to move forward this in these next four years. And, mm -hmm. I, and that is just as an educator, no matter if I'm, I'm sitting in a boardroom with my companies or if I'm sitting at home or if I'm sitting in the classroom or in an auditorium, I am now an educator. You know, mm -hmm. um, I'm not trying to mm -hmm. entertain. I'm not trying to perform. I'm just trying to educate and open up conversations that will lead to action and mm -hmm. so that that's what came up for me from the moment we started this um anyone that followed me you see that like i was pushing out so much content not telling you which way i was going just giving you data numbers and facts and hopefully you know um that was coming through mm -hmm. yeah i i so how, how about you how about you uh, like what's coming up for you right now besides that flame <laughs> um I, this is not a question for you, but this is a question that comes up when I hear you say that is like, why, why am I so surprised? Like, this is the same, this is the same thing that I experienced in 2016, where I was like, shocked, you know, like, totally shocked that that many people voted for Trump. And again, every single state is so close right now. And I'm, I'm shocked. And then I listen to you and I listen to the rest of, you know, a whole slew of people that I follow on social media and different people in my life who are of color, they, they, they're kind of all saying like, I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. And, um, it just, so on so many levels, like I sit here and I'm reminded of the blinders that I have on that I am shocked, you know, that I don't, I don't live in, um, a space where I have to experience and be reminded of the, the underbelly what I consider like the underbelly of the U S the, like the racism that this country was founded upon and where economic prosperity grew. And it, I don't think that every single person who voted for Trump is ascribes to his ideology and his thinking. But, um, but I do think that they're like, I've, I've heard from some people that I reached out to who know a lot of Trump supporters and they're like, don't worry, they're not all skinheads, you know? And, but they think that he's really good for the economy. So he's, they're willing to look past, yeah. you know, his personality to have that economy piece. And yeah. that's shocking to me because that's like 
what the Confederacy was, right? Is like, you know, we're willing to stand upon the, the bodies of Black people in order to thrive economically. And that's kind of what it feels like we're seeing today is that half of the country is still willing to do that to some extent or another. And um, so, you know, when I woke up yesterday morning, I was really feeling that this was going to be another four years of Trump. I don't know what it'll be right now, but um, yeah. So I'm just kind of like balancing this, this shock, this reality, this disconnection that I experience as a white person, because I have to like learn about this, you know, yeah. <laughs> like I don't live it as much. Mm. I don't, I have so many layers of blinders on. Um, so it really makes me question again, like what world and I don't know. It's so I really appreciate your honesty, you know, because it, it, what comes up for me now just by hearing you speak is about white privilege and the aspect that you can have blinders on and live a life right. that is totally devoid of a reality, which Trump is trying to do by making it, I like making DEI trainings um, obsolete in certain schools, in certain institutions, in certain organizations, you know? Mm-hmm. Having anti-racist thought kind of eliminated and just focusing on what, or re, or having a revisionist history when it comes to American history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so for you to say that it's uncovering some of your blinders, like people of color do not have the luxury to not see the reality that we're living in. Right. You know, by the obstacles that we have to overcome every day, by how people view us in the streets, how the how the media um, views us, how law enforcement views us. It's just so many reminders every single day of our lives that you are not equal here in this country. Mm-hmm. And I think the first step towards individuals who are white for us to have an honest conversation is to say, you know, I have the luxury to live in a world where my skin color makes me safe and available to everything America has to offer. And right. so, and when we talk about individuals who, have, who may have voted for Trump just because of the economy, me playing devil advocate is like, yo, the economy means that they could have more money to take care of their family. All right, cool. You know, like I get it. Family is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. But what if your family is black? Black mm-hmm. people, brown people do not have the luxury to take care of their family at the same level that a white family can take care of their family. And so Mm -hmm. that is what makes just voting for an individual because he takes care of your interest. That's the the danger in doing that because it's not equitable across the board. If everything was equitable, all right, cool. I may have voted for Trump. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he made my money, my my pockets stick because I'm an entrepreneur. So obviously I'm going to be like, okay, cool. I like what he says about taxes. He's a businessman. But we don't live in a reality where everything's equitable. So my legs are chopped off, but I have to learn how to walk. Mm-hmm. Where someone who is not as good as me has all the, the, both their legs, they, but they're not as good as me when it comes to what I do. I already started a disadvantage. So mm-hmm. their mediocrity is actually going to put them in a better position when, when I am better for whatever the case may be to take care of my family. I can't. So that's why voting along party lines and what's for your interest to me is is a is a very dangerous game to play given the structure that we have in the US today. I'm cu- I'm curious and so not surprisingly the conversation has come to privilege in terms of what the election has exposed. And you you and I often talk with the assumption of we know that there's white privilege which is not something that I think 
a lot of people would begin the conversation assuming. I think that, you know, there's this sense of like, you can pick yourself up by the bootstraps and I work so hard for things and all these, these, I'm curious if you could tell me about a time that you were speaking directly with a white person who just did not believe in white privilege. And I'm curious, um, you know, what, what you say to them directly. I was in Atlanta one time at a Starbucks, um, just reading, you know, and, and this guy saw me reading a book. I forgot the name, but we go, we used to sit there together. It's older white guy. And I would sit there for hours reading. And one day, I guess he wanted, I felt like he wanted to ask me this for a while. He just asked me, how can you be here every day and not working? Because he was an older, obviously a, a, a rich white guy. And I just said, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm working um, for towards uh, my company. And, and this is where I work to get out of the house and yada, yada. And one thing led to another. We started talking about political views. Obviously, he was a Republican. Obviously, it came up, oh, my goodness, you're a different Democrat than I thought you were. And I told him, and I said, I'm not a Democrat. I'm Courtney. You know, and I fight for all. I would fight for the justice for a Republican as I would for a Democrat or independent, you know. And so depending on on the justice for all is how I vote in elections, you know, and and how the, the person stands. And so he was like, wow, you're different. So I guess you he said, I guess you do not agree with white privilege, given that you've gone to medical school and and given that you have obviously fought your way out of of poverty and this and that. Oh, that. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So he made <laughs> an assumption. He made an assumption that I was, I was he said, well, you're a different type of black man. Oh, that's uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted so to how... like, am I supposed to be mad right now? Am I supposed to slap the shit out of this old white dude? And then <laughs> like, I don't know how to take this, brother. Like, what, what, what are we doing? Can I just drink so my what'd coffee? You say? Can I just drink my coffee without <laughs> an assault <laughs> charge? You know? Can you be a different kind of white person and just leave me alone? Exactly. <laughs> you know, I feel like I was in the Atlanta Zoo right now. You just, you, you, you oh pay. my God. You know? And he, he just looked at me like it was a normal question or a normal statement right there it goes to privilege. Like white men feel like they can say what the hell they want to say, you know? And so I'm like, mm, you know what? I'm going to play ball today. Uh-huh. And I said, what do you mean by that? And I knew what he meant by it, but then he saw. But you want to hear from her work. Yes. Yeah. I needed to hear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let's let, let me play. Let me play with this old dude. I knew what he was going to say, but I wanted to push his thoughts. So I said, what do you mean by that? Uh, 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 well, uh, 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 OK, so he saw that I was obviously annoyed with the, the comment. I hope I didn't make any. So he says, I hope I didn't make any assumptions about you and a black man. This and that. He said, oh, and I, so I'm playing with him. I say, oh, I'm black. Damn. How do you know? And he started, so, you know, I love to fuck with people. So I'm like, sir, it's cool. cool. He was turning red and all that. And I was like, sir, no problem. Um, I told him, obviously, I grew up, because I was in Atlanta. I said, I grew up on the east side of Atlanta. And he's from Atlanta, so he knows what that was. And he said, oh, wow, you, you come from there. I said, mm-hmm. yeah, proudly. You know, I, I think I, I would, it wouldn't have made me who I was. And he said, you picked yourself from your bootstraps. And I remember mm-hmm. telling him this. I said, I never had bootstraps. I never had legs. Mm. Like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I said, you had bootstraps that you could lace up. You had the ability to have shoes. You had the ability to have working functional legs. 
you know, me and people that look like me start from a place where we don't even have a lower body. Mm -hmm. And so for us to be in a position and for me to be as blessed to be in this position where I can be in Starbucks with you sit down means that I had to work a hundred times harder to be here. And because of the privilege that you have, you started in a place that to be honest, you should have been light years ahead of me. <laughs> uh huh. All right, then right there, he was hot. He was like, oh, you're telling me that I didn't live out, sir, I'm, I'm rich. And this, I said, sir, I know you're rich. You probably have a lot of money. So I guess you said, then he said, so I guess you believe in this thing called white privilege. Democrats and progressives always feel as though the government should be giving you, sir, if we want to talk about that, let's talk about sheer numbers. Mm -hmm. More white people receive government assistance than black people because there are more white people. Let's talk about that. Oh, mm -hmm. no, that's not right. White people work hard for this stuff. So clearly right there, I was like, you know what, sir, respectfully, I'm going to end this conversation because we have such varying views on the type of help that has been allotted to people that look like me and people that look like you. And that goes back to just upbringing. And I don't have time to unpack all that because I am working towards a company so that I can have the right when I'm 60, 70 to sit and drink coffee all day because of the work I did with my company. So mm -hmm. let's end that conversation right there. And, and that was it. Mm -hmm. But the more I thought about that, it, it gave me the kind of fuel that I needed to, to, to be right here right now with you, because mm -hmm. it's like so many people are raised by old people like that. So they propagate that kind of um, agenda, that kind of rhetoric that can say, you know what, I feel as though everyone can pick themselves up. And it's not even a, I've met black people who feel the same way. Right. You know, so it's not a, a black white thing. Again, someone with money, an economist said, it's all about economics, stupid. It's all about the money. Mm -hmm. Everything comes back to capitalism. Everything comes back to money, slavery, mm -hmm. money, power. Mm -hmm. is, is, people go to war for, 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 for religion and money, right. mainly, you know? And so our color of our skin was a justification for them and, and, and using religion to justify the enslavement of people. Because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, if, if we separated and we stopped um, and people stopped having slaves, money would stop. You know, and so right, which is what we're seeing in this election, right? It loops us back to this, like the man. the ideal of like let's vote for someone who's good for the economy, exactly. Who's actually not even good for the economy. There's no proof there, but yeah. the hope, the hope of money, is more important than yeah. You, said I mean, the powerful. wow, the the privilege that I see. What happened? I, it, you? I would love to my, hear your perspective on that. <laughs> So I feel like I, I, when I, I used to work with a fire service a lot and I would get into that same conversation a lot in talking with people. If, if white privilege came up, if race came up, you know, the whole, you know, but, but I've worked hard. I've been denied opportunities passed over for people of color because of affirmative action. And, you know, I'd have to say, so I, I, as a, as someone that, I feel it's an imperative to be engaged in a race conversation. And I kept coming across these conversations, this, this economic conversation just kept, kept looping. Like it's kind of hard to break in there. So last year I was asked to give a talk at a high school here in Colorado and talk about privilege and um, about white privilege. And 
it took me, I mean, it took me months to prepare for this talk. This was, this was, I was like, how can I do this right? You know, cause like when I step into any work related to, to race, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> and it's a horrible, as a perfectionist, it's a horrible thing to, <laughs> to deal with again and again. It's like, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to get it wrong. That's going to be really special. Yeah. Good for you. Um, but so it just sent me into all these months of inquiry of like, what is this, what is this thing privilege beyond, beyond the economic piece? Cause I know it feeds into the economic piece. And I was sitting in a doctor's office, just like waiting for an appointment. And of course, just like kind of going through this in my mind, like, how can I, how can I teach about it? And I stumbled upon this thought and I, it stuck with me and it's still something I would say I'm pretty fixated on in my work. And it was my experience of white privilege is comfort. That's my ultimate experience of it. And I don't mean comfort of having a home that I am able to buy because I inherited money from my mother. She died when I was younger. Her father was a doctor. He was allowed into medical institutions, you know, at the turn of the century because he was white. So it was this baton that was passed along to me, not even that comfort. But I, I think it was the comfort of being able to sit in that doctor's office and be invisible. No one was having thoughts about me. You know, I was like, I was in this white skin and I could focus on planning my speech. I could focus on my work because I wasn't, there was no part of my consciousness that was concerned with, am I safe or not? Hmm. Am I, am I going to get appropriate medical care right now or not? Like there was no energy, there was no energy drain going in that direction. So I could, I was liberated to focus on what I wanted to focus on at that moment. And when I started to take that like question of comfort and just dissect it on every level, I could see. So at that point we had just moved into our new house and, you know, I'm all stressed about getting the kids settled and getting the boxes unpacked and blah, blah, blah. There was no part of me that was was tied up with the discomfort of when my kids start yelling outside the house because they're running around, blah, blah, blah. Will it be blamed on their race? Will we be a family that's like, oh, that's because they're white. <laughs> there was like, that is, I had to like turn towards that thought because it was so not part of my reality. And I just feel like I have, I have so much energy if we wanted to even say to pull myself up by the bootstraps, because I am not consumed by, am I safe? You know, am I safe to speak in front of a crowd, which I love doing without it being attributed to me being white? Like I am not asked to represent white people. The, let's be honest. The disclaimer that we put at the top of this episode was mainly for you not representing all black people. Like I am not often asked to represent all white people. That's a, not an energy. That's not a weight I have to carry. Yeah. So that's how I experience privilege. It's, it, it's so related to safety and comfort. And I felt it, I'll say one last thing. I felt it yesterday when I was having like a panic attack, like my fourth panic attack about this election. And I'm like, how privileged am I that I just have these clusters of of freaking out around election, around Floyd's murder, around yeah. events, you know? And that I don't go through my entire life carrying that weight of discomfort and like, what is, what on earth is going on with this country? Yeah. You know, like I, 
that's how I experienced my privilege. I, it's crazy that you've said that. I feel, damn, Emily. <laughs> I mean, you've, you spoke a lot about healthcare. You spoke about work. You, you, just for you to exist has, in a world, you talk about safety. If someone doesn't feel safe, that distraction, did it see the thing about poverty is when you're distracted by poverty, and the fact that you're distracted by finances, you're distracted by healthcare, you're distracted by food insecurity, you're distracted by all these things, you can't, it's, it's almost impossible to succeed. Exactly. That's what I was thinking yesterday. I, I, so I stopped working and went to do yard work because I was, I could not focus. I was so freaked out about the next step of this country. I couldn't focus. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, think about that. If I was in a corporate setting, hired in to do a job I was so qualified for and super psyched for, but I didn't feel safe. I wouldn't be able to focus. Okay. I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to excel. And then the second that someone comes around and starts hunting for a reason that I don't belong, that I'm not a cultural fit at that organization, they're going to find a reason because I'm not focused because I'm, I don't, I'm not feeling safe. Yeah. And that's, that, that right there is a huge part of the BIPOC experience, the feeling of safety. Mm, right. Imagine living in your house right now and you're crazy unsafe. You feel like any moment someone could shoot you, any moment someone could take all your food, any moment you could lose your, the, the, your shelter. That's the experience mm -hmm. of BIPOC and how we have to walk at any moment of any time we could die because of how we look. That to me is a phenomenal, scary, horrible way to 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 just have an existence in any in any place at yeah, any given time yeah. in your own home you could die right right which obviously the brianna taylor situation made it super clear that that's a real threat and when I mean, hopefully not a consistent threat but it happened oh it happens a lot brianna taylor was just the one that we knew about that happens a right. lot that happens a lot and so they, what they do is say, hey, shut the fuck up, take this $2 million and have a nice day. What? I just lost my daughter. I just lost my girl. Stop. You know, and so this is the country, like, we have so much to do that an election or a person, because both of the, the candidates, let's be real, have situations that is kind of like, oh, damn, <clears throat> that's crazy. And so it's like, right. if we think because of an election and a result, we've made it. As we saw, we didn't make it when Barack became president. <laughs> right, right, right. And that, I think that there's, um, I'm curious to see this from your perspective, like what people like me, you know, white people freaking out in this election, um, even as it relates to social justice, I think that there's such a temptation to, uh, to think that this is actually going to solve anything if Biden gets elected. You know, like this is, that that would be like, performative allyship, right? Is like assuming that, oh, we've crossed back over into this direction mm -mm. when really um, that's, I mean, we're just not absolutely going down the drain in terms of like hate rhetoric, but- Or are we uh, going down slower? Yeah, <laughs> we've slowed down. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah. And I could, I, I can even feel in my nervous system how it would be calmer you know, no, like, See, I don't know. The, and that's the thing. Like, people always ask me, would you have rather Hillary to have won the election versus Trump? And to see the thing about it is, 
I think if Hillary would have won, it would have been a great stepping stone. A woman would have been president. That would have been amazing. However, mm -hmm. we probably would have been lulled to a safe sense of security, thinking that the country has changed so much because we had a black president for two terms. Now we got a woman president. Yo, with this country is so white people would have been on the oh, you see, is there no colorblind, no, mm -hmm. no white supremacy? This is a perfect union and this and all that bullshit. So mm -hmm. what Trump showed is that look, we really don't give a fuck about anything but money. And so I I appreciate see the thing about what I appreciated that Trump did, he was honest from the get-go. From he told you what he was gonna be about and he did it. And whether or not he wins right now, he has he has cemented his name in history, whether we like it or not. Mm -hmm. And so if anything that we can take from a Trump presidency is the audacity to really stand on your truth, no matter who is attacking you, because Trump will not apologize. He will not change. He says what he says and he moves on that aggressively. And if you like him. Thank you. If you don't like them, I don't really give a fuck. This is how I feel and this is what's going to happen. So when it comes to so doing social justice work, we should do the same thing. But let's let's also not lie when it's convenient to oh, us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get what I get what you're saying, which is that like yes. we knew what we were signing up for. Yes. You know, remember that storyline where people are like when he he's elected, he's going to come much more presidential. It's like no, he is just who he is. Yeah. Who will he'll lie to yeah. you know get whatever he wants but there is something to be said for just putting yourself out there like yourself and um yeah i mean it's bold yeah uh, let's just let's just uh sum up what we could learn as be bold <laughs> forget the rest of it okay i don't want to i don't want to take more yeah. so let's just let's loop around one more time and see if we have another any other like final thoughts around this in terms of what the 2020 election as exposed. And as I, as I do that, I'm going to just check the news one more time, see if there's a, a, some sort of update. There's probably not going to be one for a long time. No, no, no. Not on my map. Everything's hanging in balance. That's what it says. I, um, for me, as we end, I, I, I just want to end it with hope, you know, um, hope every day you wake up, and every day you have a sound mind and you're able to to make a decision is another day where you can decide to create change, you know? And so it's never too late. And so as I look on at, at the elections, like I said, no matter who wins, it's another day for us to, 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 to beat the pavement per se, as far as raising our voices and making our, our voice known and our presence known in the social justice arena. You know, this is, this is war, this is a fight, is not based on one man. We're all in one country, whether you're Republican or Democrat. And mm -hmm. everyone has their views on how they want to live life. And I think that once people are brave enough to, to view everyone as someone they love, that umbrella right there, you'll start to move a lot different and, and stop mm -hmm. going into these camps like, this is my family and only my family matters. Mm -hmm. Because we're all United States. And what affects you, Emily, it affects me and my family. What my family right. affects me and my family is going to affect you and your family. And if we start moving like that, no matter what happens with the 2020 election, the 2024 election, yeah, 2028 election, like we, we can push mm -hmm. an agenda that everyone can feel loved, wanted. And if you are on an agenda that you want to make 
a certain race into a supreme race, that's something that we have to dismantle, disband, and 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 then come together and say this is a United States of America, not mm-hmm. Republican only or Democrats only. And so that's mm-hmm. how I will, I hope to. That's what's coming up for me as we are in this grapple for the balance of power today. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. I guess I would. Uh, I would. <laughs> I would. I like working with you and talking with you because you have a lot more hope than I do. Um. I used to be a very optimistic person, but things like seeing, you know, just how close this race is in every single state, I guess is just a, what it's exposed for me is just a reminder of um, that people, people have drank the Kool-Aid and gone into fear and gone into division pretty solidly. Um, and they have guns on both sides. Um, and so what it's exposed for me is how feel fearful we've become and my hope i guess is that that can move into somehow we can move that into bravery and connection and solidarity um but we have weeks to come before we know the actual result probably so i think a lot more will be exposed in that time but uh i guess it's just exposed like a a deep humility in myself and in ignorance that the country might have been in a better place uh, which it is not. Yeah. So we should have you go second time. You should, we should, you, should, you should go last next time because I, I have us ending on a <laughs> depressing no. note. No, so I know yeah. I got to go. I am excited. I'm gonna shut the hell up. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, thank you for doing everything that no. you do. Thank, thank you. It's just not me. It's both of us. So I really appreciate you. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Humanize. Please remember to like and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Join us on Instagram or Facebook to continue this conversation at The Humanize Podcast. Let us know if you want to learn more about the professional trainings we offer. And of course, tune in next time as we continue the work. Thank you and much love.